are we called again? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hello everyone and welcome to You Haven't Seen That, the podcast where we watch films that I, Eric, missed as a child and young adult. Um, And I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris. Hey, how's it going? And Chris, what are we watching this week? We have our first Australian film actually this week. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're watching 1986 film Crocodile Dundee. He was raised in the land down under where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. A legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. Big Dundee from Australia. How are you? This is your first trip to New York. First trip anywhere. Well, we might just have to give you one for free. <laughs> yeah. One what? When are you coming home, huh? Well, if you can manage, Wal, I'd like to stay a while. Wouldn't have anything to do with a certain lady writer, would it? Paramount Pictures presents Paul Hogan. Um, hey, my man, what's happening? Uh, where? As Crocodile Dundee. It's funny this one because, like, for any international listeners, this is probably one one of the first Aussie films you probably would go to. Yeah. Because of its international impact. Yeah. And that's not to say at home it definitely didn't get received. Oh, it's huge. Like, it's massive here too. Particularly back in the 80s. But... Going forward, there's other Aussie films that we would have grown up, like The Castle and yeah, things the, like that, that people, those, those are quintessential Australian films that probably lasted a bit longer Yeah, in um, some ways. I'm not, not really having I would say point. this is a film that had a huge impact on Australian culture when it first came out, mm. but as the years have progressed, it has died down and more films have kind of come out of the woodwork that have become more kind of quintessential touchstones for Australian culture, like... Things like The Castle or Muriel's Wedding um, yes. throughout as well. Yeah. Like, and even to a lesser extent, like Priscilla having a kind yep. of big impact and things. So, yep. yeah. Um, I think that's in large part to the horrible stereotype <laughs> that he's portrayed. Yeah, and that's <laughs> I'm so intrigued um, by that. Like, that's. And there's a sequel too, isn't there, where he actually. Or is there just the one? There's two sequels. Oh, there's two sequels. And a Super Bowl ad. <laughs> Of course, it's a Super Bowl ad. That makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. that that happened like last year, I think. Well, this that, year, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the, like this, the huge kind of fake campaign where it was like Danny McBride is yeah, his long lost American son. Yeah. Good day, losers. That was very well done, Tourism Australia. Yeah, that that's it. Well, well played. That's like, I suppose that's a good one. Yeah. So it's there was the initial sequel, like made three years later or something, and yeah. then a horrible, horrible film called Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles in, like, the early 2000s, like 2001. Yes, I remember that one existing Ooh. now that you mention it. Yeah, it's diminishing returns after... <laughs> <laughs> Not to kind of taint your viewing of this, but... No, no, I mean, the, the, the thing I'll be interested in is, like, there's obviously, like, famous lines, like, that's not a knife, this is a knife. Is that actually from this film or another one? I'm assuming it's this one, but who knows? It yeah. might be one of those ones where it's in the sequel. Mm. Um, well, I mean, going off of that, what do you expect this plot to be? Like, do you have any idea of what this film's actually about? <sighs> well, I, I know it's got uh, Paul Hogan playing a real, like, Aussie Bushman stereotype kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he's got his big hat. He's very blonde, tall... <laughs> Um, I think he's blue-eyed from memory. <laughs> um, Paul Hogan hasn't been in 
bucket loads of things in Australian. He's been in enough stuff, but it's not as though he's like a regular lead. No, um, and yeah, we, we can get into a bit of Paul Hogan, I think, yeah, in the actual... Front I of remember the he was in a film with Michael Caton a while back. Yeah. Um, anyway. It was remade by Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh boy, okay. Um, so, I, like, I'm not sure if it's going to be him sort of... I, I, th- I'm, I think it's him going to end up in America kind of thing, and he's going to be like... The, the real Aussie in, in New York. There's a fish out of water. A fish kind of, out of water. Yeah. Um, no idea what the plot's going to be yep. or anything like that. Um, but uh, no, it's just, it, I, I do know that it just had such a huge impact on um, exposing Australia to the world, even if it wasn't a stereotypical kind of way. But particularly the 80s when Australia won the America's Cup, I think four years prior, and this, like, those are some massive. And that, I mean, Land Down Under the Song was early 80s as well. So is that yeah. real, like, Australiana sort of era that kind of put them on the tourism map. So that that'll be just fascinating. It makes me think of that like the Simpsons Australia episode where they, yes, they kind exactly. of make the joke of in the late eighties there was a boom of Australiana <laughs> that swept oh, yes. America. As I'm sure you remember, in the late nineteen eighties, the US experienced a short lived infatuation with Australian culture. For some bizarre reason, the Aussies thought this would be a permanent thing. Of course it wasn't. Anyway, the down-under fad fizzled and the diplomatic climate turned absolutely frosty. No, we, we need to... We need more Steve Irwins. Yeah. Uh, um, but this is a film for me, like... I mean, obviously we put it in the hat because it is such a huge Australian film and, like, mm. a kind of cultural touchstone, so... You know, for, so for, much pop culture and yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of reason. I, it's This wasn't necessarily a huge one for me as a kid. Um, no. Like, you know, I was that right age and I, like, remember seeing number two in the cinema even. Really? Uh, you went yeah. to the cinema for that? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, being one of those weird kids who would just... Go to the movies for everything? Yeah, I just, yeah. Got, I just got taken to the movies. And, like, having an older brother as well, I think, yeah. helped with that. But, um, yeah, like, I was fine with Paul Hogan. Like, he, I never got kind of swept up in how, like... Think he's a comedy genius. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, and it's one where I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's fun as a kid, and so I haven't seen it. I don't think for like 20 years. Okay, so I'm all right. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see if it holds up. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be very intrigued because I don't know. It'll probably be dated, like a lot of 80s films are. Yeah, but you know, it'll be it'll be fun to finally actually see what doesn't go down as necessarily one of the best. Australian films, but one of the most important. Yeah, and I guess uh, the most important thing is, will it be entertaining? Yeah, yeah. Be a very good question. We'll find out. Let's do it. Wow, that was that's <laughs> crocodile Dundee. Oh boy, where do we start? <laughs> I don't know. I guess the first disclaimer we've got to make is it's an '80s film. We watched it in 2018. Yeah, the elements, of course, will not have aged well, and they have not. Nope. So I, I'm willing to put all of that aside, but I, 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 my, my main problems are the structural, <laughs> and that's the thing. <laughs> All those runs we can have a laugh and go, ugh, bit awkward. To, yeah. uh, some of those jokes are not like current day appropriate or don't sit very well. But I, the you know, asking Reginald Vell Johnson what tribe he's from. Yeah, just just yeah, some of the 
the racist ones that would have passed at the time, I guess. Yeah. And the, the homophobic sort of ones that would have passed at the time, but definitely don't now. You can kind of almost let them skirt by in the sense of, you know, mix, you know, from the... He's from Walkabout Creek. He's never... Yeah. He's never seen a gay man before. Like, he no. doesn't know so, that it's not okay to just grab their crotch. <laughs> just a check. Yeah. Just a quick check. <laughs> that was a guy. Guy dressed up like a shaver. Look at that. So anyway, we we don't probably need to go into too much on those sorts of things yeah, because yeah. Um, we've we've moved ahead as a lot of our societies moved ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that we won't dwell on that. But yes, it's, it's not the most well put together film in a lot of ways. No, uh, like structurally, <laughs> like we constantly were. Like I, I kept asking the question, like when we're about the hour mark, you know, and you know he's in New York. I'm like. Where is this going? What's this film about? What, what is the point of all of this? <laughs> I didn't Like, what genre is this film, Chris? C- comedy? Romance? I don't know, because there's no romance. It's like, also very bad comedy. That's the problem. It's like, it's it's supposed to be a romance. Like, that's the journey. It's, it's then, comedy, then really, falling in love. But it, you get no sense that they're falling in love. No, she's she, at all. She loves the other guy too. Yeah. Or, or, sorry, she doesn't love either of them. She, <laughs> she just flipped a coin and got Paul Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> and her dad was like, no, my daughter go for it. Yeah, we're rich like, enough. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess like the way we should maybe tackle this one is go through chronologically, I yeah, guess. Yeah, start like, with chronologically. So, yeah. Because um, we're kind of all over the map. Oh my God, point. yeah. We're, it will be a bit like yeah. that. So... Like story-wise, it's so it's essentially uh, this reporter Sue from a newspaper. We believe a newspaper, perhaps the New York Times. Yeah. Perhaps some tabloid. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really know. All, all it's ever referred to is the paper. <laughs> I'm not sure if there was one line in there that said which one, but anyway, no. newspaper based in New York. She's her. She's doing some. She's in Sydney for some reason. Yeah, never explained. She's, she's been there for a bit, um, and then she's found a story. She heard a story of this man who was attacked by a crocodile and then crawled on his hands and knees for a week to get out of the bush and survive. Which sounds like a Today Show story. Yes, that's all it should have been. Some. I, I, but again, I guess going back to what I said in the intro, the whole idea of in the eighties. Uh, the enamored with Australian and that's it yes the, the, the different culture and like you know this is I mean the internet didn't exist yeah so you couldn't <laughs> just like google Australia yeah like get on YouTube or something so yeah. um, so yeah. it, you get the fish out of water of this um, this New York reporter going to you know Kakadu and going off with Dundee on his adventures and um and to be honest, she actually acquits herself fine. Like, yeah. apart from Paul Hogan implying that she's going to be bad at it because she's a woman. You okay, lady? Oh, I'm fine. It's only about another out of the river, but you being a Sheila, it'll probably take two. Which is, like, constant. <laughs> it's, it's not just mentioned once, like... You? Out here alone? Oh, that's a joke. City girl like you? You wouldn't last five minutes, love. This is a man's country out here. And, like, I think it's just bad writing. It wasn't as though he held a grudge against that ex-partner or wife of his. So it, didn't, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't seem to have a grudge against women. It's just the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, believe that. But otherwise she quits herself fine up until the point where she steps out on her own and once again looks like she's doing fine until yeah. for some reason... She decides to go for a borderline naked swim in crocodile water. No, that that serves a purpose, I think. 
Okay, it does. It serves the purpose of Paul Hogan wanting to have vague nudity within the film. Yeah, he, he, like, he got as close as he could. It's the most impractical swimwear I have ever seen in my life. That is like <laughs> California Beach. Yeah. Thong one piece. And she has been trekking for two days in the outback. Imagine the chafing. <laughs> like that poor woman. Oh. Like, yeah. But she did not pack well. No. <laughs> but then that scene, like, you know, she eventually then gets attacked by a crocodile. And Mick comes to her rescue and saves her. Mm. And that's their bonding moment. Yeah. Over animal murder, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, that, that was a big crocodile. It was, yeah, yeah. But, like, I, it's it's just weird because that's supposed to be the moment where she's just like, oh, wow, he, this guy is actually who he says he is. Because mm. we've been given all these false flags throughout the film yes. as well. So I guess we could go back to that pub scene where those guys are accusing him of, him of being a poacher. Yeah. A crocodile shooter, which is illegal. Yeah. Um, we're told. And then when they eventually get to the boat that he was attacked, she finds a bunch of empty bullet shells. Yes. And so it's like, it's it's all of these little elements like that build up to, he could just be this giant exaggerated story because Wally is... Wally has been talking <laughs> him up. Yeah. According to Wally, he's missing a leg. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's like all of these false flags and like yeah. this idea of him being a fraud and then she finally actually gets to see him in action. And leap from a tree, stab a crocodile in the brain. Yeah, twist in the <laughs> knife, yeah. Because even before that, there was a scene where he was shaving with a razor and then yeah. quite funnily... And that, that moment was quite comedic. That yeah. was, a couple of the comedic moments were okay. That was one of them. And then he quickly stuffed in his pants and pretended to be using his big knife. But the, I think I, it works as a comedic beat, mm. but it doesn't work for a character beat. Because no. by this point, we're nearly half an hour into the film, yeah. and we have no idea if our protagonist is trustworthy, or like, who yeah. he actually is. Yeah. Anything, except he brought a stuffed crocodile into the pub for some reason. We know he's a larrikin. <laughs> we know he likes to punch people when they're not looking. Yes. Which gets reinforced throughout the film. <laughs> yeah. So when that guy accuses him of being a poacher, he tricks him and then just punches him when he's not looking. Yeah. Like, all real men do. Yeah. Quite ironic, considering <laughs> Hogan's... um. Now, Crockett, let's say Mick Dundee. Yeah. Mick Dundee's emphasis on this man's country or yeah. something like that. He's a bit of a weird dude yeah. in terms of, yeah. like, his moral lies. He's, he's kind of nailed the cliched bushman that you don't see in the movies. Yeah. Um, anyway. But, yeah, I just find it interesting, like, going back to the, the killing crocodile moment. Mm. Like, that's, that's them solidifying a... That's the connection moment. Yeah, it's a very good point. But nothing happens beyond that. Now, there's a hug. So you go, okay, maybe there's going to be something there. And yeah. it sort of drives that connection that will maybe bring him to New York. Before that, there'd been like the discussion where she asked him his standpoint for some reason on nuclear disarmament. Yep. <laughs> and then maybe switched the topic to more relevant and went went for it with like indigenous land, indigenous land rights in Australia. Yeah, that which, was fascinating. Yeah, we both went forwards at that question because in the 80s as well. It's like... Um, a, it's difficult now. Yeah, it's incredibly um, like difficult topic. But. Like, or, or very hard one to answer. Anyway, he danced around it fairly well. Yeah. Provided a, a good enough sort of answer that... Kind of like, what does land mean to any of us anyway? Yeah, and, and, he, and it also helped to establish him as a character who is just a free-living spirit yeah. who just kind of goes so sort of, flow. Sort of dodged slash answered the question a bit, but then established who he was. Exactly. That, that's, I think, the important part there. But there's nothing to establish their romantic relationship. Not that's my problem. No, because like, there was another moment with those Rue hunters. Yeah. Who he... Almost murdered all of them, really. He didn't <laughs> actually shoot any of them. No. He shot a gun out of someone's hand. Yeah. 
so the windshield gets blasted. The windshield gets blasted with two people in the cabin. Yeah. So um, so that's another moment where he's like making stand as a character, but then that never matters again for the rest of the film either. Mm. It's not as though oh he's learning to care about stuff. Yeah, it's almost he only did it as well because she was upset that they were shooting the kangaroos. Yeah. And he propped himself up behind a kangaroo corpse to do that. Yeah. It's weird. It's real weird. It's real weird. But it's... Mm. Anyway. My, my problem, I think, is that's... It's, it's like the saving her from the crocodile attack is a... It's, it's the perfect scene to start building their relationship. Yes. She now knows... And because, you know, the prior night you had all that interesting discussion of, like, development of him as yeah. a character. But then like, it just doesn't go anywhere continue to grow and at no point do you get the sense that she is becoming enamored with this guy she almost like when they finally get to new york and she's taking him to the hotel she's almost treating him like a new puppy she's got like like look at this quaint little thing i have i bought him at the airport yeah (laughs) and she's so smug and so she's this weird combo yeah because after that moment she's like how about you come back to America with me and go okay here comes that romance it's gonna that relationship's gonna grow yeah and they get or at least continue yeah continue or something yeah. and they get back to America yeah and nope here's my husband or here's my fiance guy who I told you before I, I'm not really into anyway but it turns out I am and then, then I'm not and then I am and then I'm not and then I am and we want to catch up but come along and be our third wheel at dinner now listen uh, you two should really be alone Oh, sorry, Mick. It's just that we haven't seen each other in six weeks. Well, that's uh, all the more reason no, why I. There's no should... way I'd leave you alone on your first night in New York. Richard and I want you with us. Yeah, it's super weird. She like the actress actually probably she does okay to be she's honest. She's not like Linda Kozlowski. She's not bad with what she's given. Exactly. But yeah. what she's given is kind Paul of just... Hogan's idea of a woman. It's just food scraps, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's supposed to be this brilliant reporter, and only once in the entire film. The the film takes place over like six weeks. And it takes a long time on screen. It felt like it. Yeah, you see her actually do her job once. Yes. For 12 seconds. Yeah, she's recording into her little. It's like, if she's supposed to be a reporter, have her. Like when mixed. Like, you, you have her occasionally taking a photo. But she she's not a, a photojournalist. No, true. Yeah, she's not a photojournalist. Just have her with a notebook and like just it's a just simple thing. The, the vocal recorder. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I she's love frustrating. How, I, love, yeah, I love how frustrated we're getting. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Flip the table soon. Almost. But it's it's not just her that's an underwritten or just kind of a character that's there for the sake of mm. narrative. Like Wally is essentially exposition man. He is exposition man. <laughs> we were joking during the film whether if there was an Australian edit where Wally just wasn't in it. Yeah, because <laughs> he's, he's essentially just there telling people like this is what this is. Hey, international audiences, it's <laughs> yeah. a translation. A walkabout. Uh, that's an Aboriginal habit. It means to uh, wander around and uh, discover new places. Well, it's interesting because apparently, like, this was made as just a essentially a straight Australian film. That's what I was wondering. They they didn't expect it to do but it, do well overseas. But and it things, feels so. like it's aimed at overseas. Yes, a lot of it feels like it's handing it up and aiming it at an international audience. It's it's like look how quaint and backwards Australians are yeah, essentially. Like. What it did do really well, whilst we're still on the topic of the first half, the shots of Kakadu National Park and yes. the Australian landscape yeah. were some of the best shot. The cinematography, I guess, wasn't like... Parts were my, 
were inc- were really nice. Um, it, actually, the zoom out when they were swimming in the um, in the Echo Lake or whatever it was yeah, that was, was great. Really nice. It, it is just, it's a really beautiful tourism video. Yeah, it, it is. And they like Kakadu National Park. Like I I have been a couple of times, and those shots. I'm like I can remember doing that boat ride with the crocodiles on the bank, <clears> and um, that, that like some of those um, areas. I'm like I'm pretty certain I've seen that mountain before where they were filming it. Um, and it was some of the some of the most like Australian shots I've seen since Wolf Creek. Yeah. Which is a newer film. But um, that is cinema, cinematography wise of the Australian landscape is stunning. They know how to capture yeah. it. I mean it's not hard I guess. No, just, you just go out in the wilderness and <laughs> a point a camera. Point a camera and it's, yeah, it's gonna look quite <laughs> nice and the colours are just yeah. so easy to shoot if you I'm not saying I could do it, mm. but if you've got know what you're doing it it wouldn't be too hard and they cho- cho- like, chose good locations. So Yeah. That part of Australia was really well presented just like the natural they didn't show the cities they showed the harbour bridge in the background yeah and then they showed very much as the wilderness because that's the whole point is Mick as a character he's never been to a city no. which makes the fish out of water elements of the second half of the film exact 100% New York yeah. concrete jungle it's essentially taking it's the you can almost pick the like ad campaign being like he's from one jungle to the next <laughs> like it's it's that yeah exactly right and <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So from then on, it, it obviously moves to New York. Yeah. And man, I don't know. Is it meant to make you hate New York? I don't. I don't know. No. I I will say though, like when it when it does the shift from Australia to New York, I think they've they're on a they're on a good footing. I think in, yes. in terms of okay, Sue as a character is not really there, but she was the kind of out of her element. Now we're going to go into her... Yes, her jungle. comfort zone. Yeah, and so she'll actually then take on the role, essentially, of what Mick was to her in yep. um, Walkabout Creek and things. But So you're like, all right, I'm, I'm in for this. Like, yeah, let's let's see idea. where yep. we go. And it just... It follows him too much. It, it's too essentially... Much. Yeah, it's still his film. It is, it is, is essentially it a, should be. a series of random set pieces yeah. that are never really... They never work to develop the character. No, like they just go or to the like, romance or anything. They just are there because huh, he's washing his clothes in the bathroom and he doesn't know what a bidet is. For washing your backside, right? Hey, look, he can't cross the road. A good thing a police horseman's going to save him. And then, like, they go to an an art show for some reason. Yeah. Like, it's never explained. Yeah, it's like, like I, I, I yelled when we're watching, like, where are they and why? <laughs> like, it's just scenes happen. Yeah, and it's not, it's just, it's not even like shown in, even though one guy's doing, snorting coke out the back and stuff. Yeah. It's not like done in a particularly hedonistic way. No. It's not, tr- like, even though, and her family, once again, are clearly extremely wealthy. That is a nice coming home party. Yes, yes. Um, well, her dad is, like, it turns out, like, hearsed, pretty much. Like, yes, case exactly. Hand. So he's got a fair bit of cash up his sleeve. He's yeah. old money. Um, <laughs> but it's not even trying to really paint, and it doesn't, like, there's a, a joke about, you know, he's like, talking about how New York must be, they must all be so friendly there, that many people living close together, but then that's not even really rammed home. No, but, like, that's a quaint early online, like, of him, like, oh, he's going to be really, like... like he's going to be shocked. Yeah, but then... The, the series of events that we like the scenes that happen to that's essentially like Mick in New York mm. like the art gallery party yeah it, it does it does nothing but paint Sue as a vapid person yeah and him is just here he is again yeah and she's essentially <laughs> takes him to the art gallery party to be like look at this weirdo like yes. it's not and it doesn't 
Yeah, they're like, how many different New York cleats? Let's have um, let's have our Italian cab driver. Oh, yeah. Let's have our African American limo driver, and let's talk about him. Yeah. Um, let's have the prostitutes. Let's have the pimp. Let's yeah. have the art gallery and the probably the Upper East the, Side the crowd or whatever. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, it yeah exactly it more presents them as sketches in a way. Yeah. Rather than, I probably the, probably the best thing I got out of it is more just. He, he gives everybody a chance. Yes. More or less. Like, he obviously befriends the bellhop. Everyone at the hotel apparently loves him. That's... He, he, he calls the prostitutes by first name basis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it, yeah. It, it does well to present the idea that Australians are generally friendly people. Yeah. But the, the film itself... Because it's written, written it's original story by, yep. screenplay by, and script edited by Paul Hogan, yes. starring Paul Hogan and produced by Paul Hogan. And you, the film is essentially Paul Hogan being like, everyone wants to be my mate and every lady wants to sleep with me. Pretty much. That's that's the film. I, I, I was thinking about it. Uh, I was wondering, maybe he, he claimed all those story and screenplay credits just to uh, to take the hit when it turned out it wasn't so good. No, I don't get that. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's it's it's, it's, it's his absolute hubris of it, I yeah. think. Like, I mean, I'm being real harsh by saying yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. his idea of him being the greatest person ever, everyone's his mate. He even goes so far as to say that him and God would be best mates. That's a great line. It, like, it's it just yeah. I guess it it works in the sense that it makes Mick a a, a kind of clueless, lovable character. Yeah, but. It, it, I, I guess like like the the Aussie character for so long has always been the larrikin yeah which uh, the, the the lovable guy who loves to have a beer and a yarn at the pub yeah and just a chat and stuff whereas really now like that image definitely still exists pl- plenty of places oh, yeah. but it's Australians aren't maybe quite as proud of that image anymore no so, if you look in the 80s, that, that image put us on a global stage to an extent, and well, I'm I mean, sure we've got some stuff on there. That's about- why this film got made, is essentially because of the tourism videos that Paul Hogan starred in. America, you look like you need a holiday. A fair income holiday. In the land of wonder. The land down under. Come on. Come and say day. I'll slip an extra shrimp on the barbie for you. Come and say day. That's why he gets top billing. He is Paul Hogan in Crocodile yeah. Dundee. Like, he was a known so that's, entity. And that's so. why, like, it's... it's A lot of it is kind of... I mean, I guess at the end of the day, well done. Like, some of the... Some of the I mean, to go and shoot shoot film in Kakadu, and, and yeah. like, like, that's not easy. It's not the simplest terrain, and um, there's plenty of okay stuff out there. It's just, it's just such a clumsy film in a lot of ways. And just watching it, like, I... I I'll be honest, I didn't really enjoy it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's that's just because it's... that, that There's no, like... I can forgive the 80s jokes. Like yes. We're talking about. Yeah. That's fine. That's a... Da- I, that that I, almost I, makes it a more... A kind of enjoyable experience because of the cream. Like, yeah. it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and... I don't mind his character to an extent. Yeah. But he's not that... He's not actually that likable in a few ways, and then like the storyline and the progression of him and her is 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 not good at all. The, yeah. the film just feels like it has zero point. That's that's the problem. <laughs> that's like, my biggest yeah. loss. If it had even a standard three act 
romantic mm. storyline. Cool, I'm on board. You I think that would have been enough. The, the, the ending when Sue shows up at the hotel and Irving the bellhop, who <laughs> I, is like the best character, like relationship. He's so good. Uh, and tells her like, oh, he's gone on walkabout. And she takes, like kicks off her high heels and runs to chase after him. Miss, if you're looking for Crocodile Mick, he's gone walkabout. I don't suppose you know where. Yeah, he's headed for the subway two blocks down. You better hurry. You're like, what? Why? What? Like, I don't... I don't know, why is she suddenly like... I need... I can't let him leave. I need this man. You get no sense that there's a relationship. She just accepted a proposal from another guy literally the night before. Yeah. And seemed pretty happy about it. Yeah. But there's never any any doubt in her mind there. There was... You needed the scene where... She had some doubt. Where Mick gets up from the table and, like, gets, like, a... You know, picks up a beer. And, yeah, and and she's like, oh, Mick. And he's just like, no, no, I understand. I'm... You know, I'm just the guy from Australia. Like, you need that character scene where you get the sense of she doesn't want him to be hurt and he actually cares mm. for her. The closest they had was her looking at him. But he was already talking to another lady sitting yeah. next to him. He'd obviously been like, well, there goes that one. Yeah, it, it, it's the... No. It's missing... The, like, it's the broad strokes without the actual individual character scenes that would make the relationship and the narrative earned. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the problem is you actually... It didn't need too many adjustments and it could have actually just been... A complete story. Yeah. As a result, it's not really. It's just a cobbled together bunch of scenes, um, and I know nothing about her. Yeah. I just know she's a reporter and wears funky dresses and skimpy swimsuits for some reason. And loves Mick Dundee because, because... crocodiles. Because Paul Hogan wrote the script. Yeah, basically, <laughs> you know, there's two scenes that he really wins her over. One is when he stabs a crocodile in the head. Yep. And the other <laughs> like is when they, he... they bond over animal murder. <laughs> And then the other is when he pulls a knife on the guys who are trying to mug them. Yeah. And like, that's when she kisses him. Yeah, like arguably one of the most famous cinema lines of the 80s as well. Like, yeah. yeah. He's got a knife. That's not a knife. That's a knife. But... <sighs> yeah, I'm just frustrated with I know. I guess, oh, like, and, sorry, there you go. No, and just like the scene when she's like, says something about how, um, I feel like, you know, Jane to Tarzan. You're all right? I'm always all right when I'm with you, Dundee. God, that sounds corny. Why do you always make me feel like Jane in a Tarzan comic? Uh. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I just turned to you and I said, "Why?" Because Jane wasn't was a poorly fleshed out female character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To a cliched male hero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I, I think it just felt that way. I'm like, she's just the extra in the movie. Yeah, it is Paul Hogan just writing a vanity project, which is fine. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't make it very enjoyable. No, that's at the, the end pl- of the day. And um, I I find they have a lack of chemistry as on well. screen. It wasn't yeah. great. No. Which is absolutely baffling to me because they ended up beca- getting married. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? They... Yeah. For, during, like, post-production of this film, Paul Hogan left his wife of 28 years. What? I didn't know that part. <laughs> yeah, they had five part. kids and was married for nearly 30 years, left her and hooked up with Linda Kozlowski and, yeah. Oh, I, I did know Which Paul had like, been through a few, but... um. Yeah, but it's like... Okay, well, you guys clearly fell in love. On set. Like, yeah, like, that, that's fine if you, you know, your relationship ends, like, whatever. But, like, you clearly fell in love on this set. 
I get no sense that you even like each other. <laughs> I, I could see it in her eyes. Yeah. Like, I think she has the, the, the enamored eyes. She's little loving holding his leathery wallet skin. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry eyes. Oh, on that note, though, of his horrible leather skin, oh, how no. old do you think he was? <laughs> like 70. <laughs> he was 47, but he yeah, looks no. at least 70. He's definitely that, that classic... New South Welshman, Queensland, <coughs> who spent a lot of time at the beach, well, I, suntans. Well, like, his history was he was a rigger on the um, Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah. So, you know, obviously working out. Yeah, there. outdoors all the time. And he, clearly in the, in the age where sunscreen didn't really exist. Hmm. Um, and it shows. And his, his rise to stardom is actually one that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And it's like, because he was just a, a tradesman kind of guy. Yeah. And there used to be in the um, late 60s, early 70s, a show uh, that was essentially like young talent time, kind of. Yep. People can come on and like... Is that hosted by What's-His-Face? Um, no, I, it, I forget what this one was called. So it's not young talent. It's not young talent, oh, like, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. like one of those like Australia's Got Talent kind of yep. shows. And Hogan would always like remark that it's essentially about... The show is more about the judges making fun yeah. of the contestants. So Hogan... Applied for the show saying that he was a knife juggler, a tap dancing knife juggler, <laughs> got on the show and then proceeded to make fun of all the judges, essentially do stand up. In front of them and just burn them. And burn them and then ended by going, oh yeah, and did like a little soft, soft shoe and threw all the knives on the ground. Awesome. And you're like, okay, that's that's actually super. Yeah. And because of that, they ended up kept keeping having him come back. Yeah. And then he, like, yeah, eventually developed and got his own sketch show. And, yeah, yeah, and actually that's a great, like, that's... It's, it's, it's what he's actually done. Like, yeah. exactly. To, to come from a... Um, and he appealed directly to that kind of working class sensibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, not everybody is going to um, dig Cillian Murphy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch isn't everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to have those sort... And, and, like, some of... As you know, like, Australian cut, we love our underdogs. I mean, hence one reason why the castle's so damn popular. Exactly. It's, I mean... Yeah, actors like Michael Caton and um, and um, and Bud Tingwell, just like slightly different, but you know, just more, just like Jack Thompson. Yeah, classic Aussie actors. Um, Caton and Thompson, quite blokey, but also, Tom, you know, just such lovable so, dad figures yeah. as well. Who like, you know, your families are always key in Australian yeah. shows. Like, yeah. So a bit bit rougher rather than. Um, than your theatre actor. Yes. Like Jeffrey Rush, everyone knows is a good actor, but you wouldn't go out to your average guy. Like, Aussie yeah. guy. what do you think of Jeffrey Rush? It'd probably be like, I saw him in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's also, I think, why I get the sense that people like Guy Pearce. Yeah. And things have kind of emigrated and are doing... Yep. Because it's not the kind of... <laughs> what, what, yeah. Australia's such a big country. It's so, actually so different from like... Queensland is so got such a rural population, such a big state, and mm. things like that. So yeah, yeah, Paul Hogan's got a lot of people to appeal to. Yeah, so. and he does what he does well, I think. Yeah. But it's just like you said, like not bashing him or his acting or anything in this. It's, it's just, just the, the structure. Yes, that's the biggest letdown of it all. Oh yeah, if yeah. it could just tie together in a basic three act romance. Yeah, you, just the simplest. Of, just some little touches. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say I, I, I do want to sing a praise of the uh, the. Derpy weird music. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> oh, Paul Hogan goes goes um, almost well, three stooges, but take it really for like. Oh yeah. Here he is walking down the street. Yeah, it is essentially like Tumpty Tiddly Tumpty Tiddly. Look at the funny man walking down the street. <laughs> His hat's got teeth in it. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Oh but man. Yeah. Like it, it's you. You mentioned early on, like you weren't sure if his character was 
smart or not. Yeah, I wasn't sure if some of his lines were him making little cheeky... Like, nods to her thinking that he is such a outback idiot, kind of, yeah. like, doesn't know basic stuff. Which and, is, in, like, that leads for an interesting character. He's, like, self-aware and acknowledging. Yeah. And then it just kind of... Like when he was talking about um, when they bumped into... Um, who is his indigenous friend? Oh, uh, David Goldblum. Yeah. The actor, yeah. Who, ne- Neville Bell is the That's character. That's Neville, yeah. Who they bumped into in the, into the, in the bush. And there was a scene where... She went to take a photo of him, and he's like, oh, no photo. Oh, no, you can't take my photograph. Oh, I'm sorry. You believe it'll take your spirit away? No, you got a lens cap on. Yeah, like, that's a, that's a very easy, like, just, like, making fun of, like, nah. It's a great subversion of what, like... The cliched thoughts. And yeah, she, she's thinking of what their thoughts are also backwards, but it's actually them flipping it onto the head of, like, no, yeah. well, you're actually being very ignorant. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, and then he doesn't go on to chide or anything like that. No, it's, not. It's, it's a playful scene. Yeah. And then, um, and then, then there's the one after that where he walks off. He's like, oh, "I better go to the gathering, um, whichever one he's heading to, the male ceremony." And um, she asks, "Well, how's he getting there?" And he's like, "Oh, um, some something about like you know, he's just, just telepathically, just, or ju- he's just going to be drawn there." And then you hear in the background him walk into a tree. Oh, oh, I hate the bush. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, you're not. So, I'm like, is that just trying to once again just a similar kind of just poking fun at um, people's beliefs about other cultures and things like yeah. that. Or not. <laughs> and then it just never, like... Yeah. You, you kind of almost want those scenes to come back in the New York yes. sense. Yeah. But it just... There's just a lot of interesting stuff thrown out there, but it's just used once. It's, and it's never brought up as a recurring thing, and it is just essentially, when we get to New York, it is just a, a series of sketches. Even the moment where the bellhop tells her he's gone walkabout. Yeah. Which you could have had a moment when she realises... He may disappear for 18 months like last time. Yeah. He's going to go wandering, have more of a dawning on like what he's throwing away. Yeah. Well, not throwing away, but now he's like, oh, well, I'll go in search of myself again kind of thing. Yeah. Because he'd already spoken about that. But it's like, no, nope, better just chase him. That's, that's what I mean. Like you need the scene the night before of him actually feeling... Down? Down. Or he essentially just hops in the limo and asks Reginald Bell Johnson, oh, can we go to a liquor, liquor store? Just need to get trashed. Yeah. <laughs> And he doesn't actually project any no. sense of... <laughs> the the yeah. leathery skin just doesn't stretch far enough. Yeah. It, it just... It, the film essentially is, like... Linda Kozlowski sums it up perfectly with her line, it's just corny. <laughs> this yes. might, my God, this might be corny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I can definitely... It would have been... It would have been quite amazing. And in the 80s, to see... Australia, as an Australian seeing Australia represented and, and actually like do blow yes. up overseas like that would have been amazing oh yeah um, in, in a lot of ways um, you wouldn't have really cared too much no at all about any of the, the cheeses and to be honest I don't either no no it, it just makes it <laughs> un, an unfulfilling experience like you just if, if it was just that that little bit lacking yeah, sorry listeners we really just wanted some structure <laughs> I wanted it to be a good romantic love story. I just, I just had no reason to be attached to the film. Yeah. Um, but it makes me want to go back to Kakadu National Park. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it, it's interesting as well. Like, it's... I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, on this note, do you want to hear a little bit of info about the film and how, how it was received back in the day? I would love to, yeah. yeah. So the film had a budget of eight point eight million, which is yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it went on to gross three hundred and twenty-eight million at the box office. Wow! 
It was the second highest grossing film of 1986. <laughs> well, I mean, I knew it was big, but... It, it came in behind, uh, randomly, our first film on season one. I was about one, to guess Top Gun. Gun. Yeah. So it was huge. Like, not even a surprise hit. Well, it was clearly a surprise hit. Yeah. It was a surprise smash hit. Yeah. yeah. Second highest grossing film of 1986. How did they market it so well? I... I, I it's essentially... They... Everyone wants a fish out of water story. Like, and like I said, like coming off of the Australiana stuff, like yeah, it just who, who set up the distribution in America? Because it, it's a Paramount film, so yeah, okay. Which explains why I also found in my research that in the early nineties, one Paramount exec tried to pitch and get made a Beverly Hills Cop Crocodile Dundee mashup team oh, film. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I really want to see that, but I really don't want to see. Imagine that. that <laughs> oh yeah, but. This is truly baffling to me. The film was nominated for an Academy Award yep. for Best Screenplay. I was going to ask, was it? As a joke. <laughs> best Screenplay. This Paul Hogan was nominated for an Academy Award what? for Best Screenplay. I was going to joke about that during the podcast and I forgot to. Yeah, well, there we go. Uh, it was also it nominated for... It didn't, it didn't win. Didn't win. Oh. I'm going to quickly look up what it actually <laughs> lost to. I'm intrigued. I was actually thinking during film, like, I'm going to make a joke about this during the podcast recording. Cut <laughs> <laughs> to, oh, wait, what? what? <laughs> oh, it lost to uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, the Woody Allen film. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. also nominated against uh, My Beautiful Laundrettes, uh, Salvador and Platoon. <laughs> <laughs> and Crocodile Dundee! How, wow, how does Crocodile Dundee put itself next to Platoon, let alone those other ones? I like, don't know. Alright, good. Well um, done, Paul. Well done. Yeah, uh, it was also nominated for three Golden Globes, Best Picture, Musical or Comedy, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and Paul Hogan won Best Actor. <laughs> I really wish you listeners could see Eric's face. It's just like one of those... Those, those gifts, those really slowly dawning realisation. Yeah. Like going through a wormhole in 2001, like, my what? It's happening. Paul Hogan won a Best Actor Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. Not just that, he was also nominated for a BAFTA for Best Actor. And it was also nominated for a BAFTA for Best Original Screenplay. Wow, way to get caught up in the hype. I guess, right? Like, yeah. He wasn't bad. Yeah, like like we said, like he's, a, he's perfectly fine. It's just... There's the, no way I'd watch that and think... Amazing performance. BAFTA for best actor. Yeah. Like, not just best actor in a comedy, like best actor. actor. Um, wow. Yeah, but the screenplay ones are baffling because it's, it's such a base, vapid. It is, it's just empty. Like, you, you essentially summed it up perfectly at the end of the, when we were watching it by saying, This is an, an Australian who's never written a film before trying to make an American rom com. Yeah, it, it felt to me. Like a really clumsy attempt at those sleepless in Seattle, you've got male yeah. um, style films, mm. and it just is, it just falls short on the actual on, character. On that story and yeah, the character in particular, the depth and the the genuine romance it, that mm. was not there at all. Like the base story is fine yeah, and fine. interesting, but yeah. then yeah. and half of it in Australia, half in New York, cool, great, great juxtaposition and stuff. Yeah, well done. But I don't know. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it was. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to try. <laughs> and, like, the other, the other thing I found interesting that kind of helps hammer home how, like, culturally impactful this was and, like, how it seeped into pop culture yeah. was, the film is the fifth most watched film to be broadcast on British television when it was shown on BBC in 1989 
On Christmas Day, in fact. Oh, yeah. It, it attracted 21.75 million viewers. Wow. I mean, maybe it just says enough about how little the world knew about Australia at the time. I guess. And like yeah. you said, like they present Kakadu beautifully in yeah. the film. And Stunning. It um, is, I guess, just the exotic, and it's a playful look and it, at it. I, I guess it's quite... Just the two of them alone in Kakadu is actually quite nice. Yeah. Like... It's just there's just that little bit missing. Um, like I said, they they build up enough goodwill in that first act where you're interested, and then they squander it once they get to New York. Yeah, I think that was maybe where you just really lost it. Once they got to New York, it just started to crumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, there you go. So uh, Eric is a kid. What what do you reckon he would have thought? That's a very interesting one because I, I obviously would have watched it in the. I don't know, early 90s or something like that. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have necessarily cared so much about the lackluster. No. So I think I think I I think I probably would have enjoyed it because it's it moves like I guess there's there's a difference in a lot of scenes and things like that and maybe I would have re- enjoyed like the Australiana side a lot more. Mm. Um, like I would have really maybe got into that and to see it portrayed on screen would have been quite exciting particularly as a kid. Mm. Um I doubt it's one I would have watched many times. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have felt like I'm really in a Crocodile Dundee mood right now. Yeah. There. Like, would you have maybe been intrigued enough to go and watch, you know, two and three? Ooh, that's a very good question. <laughs> like, yeah. I Which, mean, I mean, the fact that it made $300 million explains why there was a two yeah, and yeah, three. Yeah, exactly. Um, you do silly things as a kid, so I probably would have watched number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to. No, I, I probably would have. <laughs> You know, if, if the opportunity had presented itself, then, um, yeah, no. I mean, I've, I've always enjoyed a lot of Australian stuff. I mean, I've, I've there's still some very key Australian films I haven't seen, and I think we may even have one in the hat or something like that. Um, but I have generally generally do okay trying to watch a lot, even some of the smaller art house ones. Um, I was just quickly looking up, because um, I remember the storyline of Crocodile Dundee 2 being, like, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the, the IMDb synopsis is... Australian Outback expert protects his New York love from gangsters who followed them down under. What? Yeah, I, I remember it has something to do with, like, gangsters and smugglers and stuff. Wow. All right. Well, they got to gain by coming to Australia. <laughs> I don't... No, they just want... They want him to take out Mick. <laughs> I, I guess know. he did punch a pimp once. Yeah. And then his limo driver killed twice. him. He, he, twice. He, he punched, punched a pimp twice. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Yeah, like I said, it's a film, like, it explains why I haven't watched it in over 20 years. <laughs> I, I did enjoy how they snuck in some Aussie songs. Like, your, your Mental as Anything was in there, as you noted. And, yeah. Uh, and an In Excess song. Now, I, I, I know In Excess well-ish. Um, I did not know the song. I just recognised Hutchins' <laughs> voice. Um, <laughs> but... It was A Different World by In Excess. Yeah, okay. Because that was the year that... Um, on a Kick came out the year later, 1987. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was... Ju- like, just before they went kaboom. But they already had enough hits anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, they were known down here, at least. So. Definitely Which is a nice little nod as well. Like, the actual non-instrumental music being used is all Australian bands. Yeah. Like, this nice art touch. gallery was playing um, art house Australian music. Yeah, it was playing, like, <laughs> the Australian equivalent of Talking Heads. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, before that. Yeah, even big. Hmm. But, yeah, like, obviously, Eric is an adult. Eh, yeah, I, to be honest, I, I just couldn't really get behind it. Yeah. It just... It, like, I had a fun time watching it because we could have a great laugh about it. Yes. I will never watch that film again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm done for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sorry for making you do it oh, again. No, I've got to do it when I edit this episode. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. You'll have That'll fun be that. the last time. Yeah, you'll have fun that time. It's a nice, it's a nice send-off for this it is. Aussie classic. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, on that note, uh, do you want to dive into the hat and we'll see what we're going to do for next episode? Yes, yeah, so our next film will be <laughs> no less sexist than this one Showgirls. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, I think like no, all right. Like we're, we're now general. like as this show progresses, we're gonna be watching some real bad movies. We promise you, there's there's some good stuff in there too. Yep. Don't worry, but there's also these ones that you know. This is like let's be honest, we're boys. Showgirls came out in the night. Like it's yeah, it's like, in our wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, like this this should have come across my screen at someone's birthday party or something you know yeah. the sleepover style birthday it's... party like anyway I haven't seen Showgirls yet you're, you're in for a treat <laughs> oh. I'll say that much oh. alright but um yeah otherwise uh, thank you for listening I, uh, we, if you agree disagree or have any comments about Crocodile Dundee we'd love to hear from you so uh, feel free to send us or actually if you have any preemptive thoughts on Showgirls yes please <laughs> like your experiences watching that favourite moments anything like that favourite scene what you think Eric's going to expect <laughs> uh, you can send us an email at uh, haven'tseenpod at gmail.com uh, otherwise we'll see you in a fortnight's time sounds good thanks for joining us uh, I'm Eric I'm Chris see you next time mate <laughs> <laughs>